Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business and Vancouver newspaper and BIV.com. I'm Kirk LaPointe, Editor-in-Chief. My guest today is Susan Lejeune Delegoshek. She's the United Kingdom's High Commissioner to Canada. It's representative in our country now since uh, 2017, I guess. And I suppose we have a thing or two to discuss. <laughs> I think we do. <laughs> yeah. Welcome, High Commissioner. Thank you very much. It's um, really good to be here. Uh, um, want to talk about music? Is that what you want to do? Yeah, this, please. This, let's. This political uh, life is so... Uh, it's so dull. Unbelievably dull there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what we uh, how we could fill the time. Are you more of a Sex Pistols or, cl- or a Clash person? Or? Uh, the, the police is my thing. Oh, police. Police okay. and Sting. So yeah. uh, which side do you come down? Elvis Costello or Joe Jackson? Oh, I don't know. That's really difficult. Because yeah, they were both at the same brilliant. time. Yeah. I think I think Joe Jackson for if I was going to be dancing to it, right? But Elvis Costello just for the depth of the lyrics. And okay. Things. All right. Well, there we are. <laughs> Thanks for listening. No, I'm only kidding. Uh, only kidding. Um, how does how does a diplomat stay a diplomat in in this kind of daily <laughs> turmoil? I think it's. Um, uh, I think you have. What I realize is that thirty years of experience have equipped me to be able to do this today. Uh-huh. I think if you were coming into this new and you didn't have, uh, if you hadn't been doing it for a long time, it would be very tough. Yeah. I think one of the things you have to be very clear about is uh, why you're here and what your role is and that whatever you might, your personal views might be, that is not relevant in this case. I'm here to explain and to uh, put the government's view across and to try and demystify what is an incredibly complex and, and, and unprecedented political uh, moment in, in the United Kingdom's, Kingdom's history. So um, I think one of the, one of the things that you always have to do is have an outlet somewhere. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, you have to have people that you trust who are nothing to do with your job, right. with whom you can say what you really think from time to time. So yeah. that helps. Who, who uh, well, don't name names, but you know, <laughs> where, where do you find that? Is it like you... Uh, you know, have you taken up curling in Canada or something like that? I mean, <laughs> no, like, is, do you have like a little club that you go to? And I have a little club that I go to, but it doesn't involve any sport at all. It, it involves glasses of wine rather than uh, any ah, sport. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you... Uh, just the glasses, though, not the actual wine. Yeah, just, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah, clinking glasses. So my, um, uh, there are a couple of diplomatic colleagues who I have that sort of relationship with, my yeah. husband, and then a couple of friends who have nothing at all to do with diplomacy, who I know well enough that... Yeah. I can just be myself with them. When you say that, you know, the 30 years of uh, prep gets you to this point where, frankly, you can handle it day by day, and and I couldn't imagine what it's like. Uh, Tell me a little bit about what you think those ingredients are. What are the emotional ingredients? Because you must have to um, push the, you know, the, the accelerator button on some of them and the pause button on a lot of them and that kind of yeah so i think um i think some of the things that that are really important are focusing on facts Uh, i think Mm. being able to put yourself in the position of the person that you're talking to and not assuming a level of understanding of some of these issues uh which isn't there um I think I also have to be very clear that I am not here to speak for myself or any particular uh, uh, constituency at home. I am here to uh, put the government's position across. Um, and I think what's great about doing this job in Canada is that there is actually quite a high level of understanding and there's a fantastic level of interest in what's going on in sure, the UK. Sure, there should be. So, um, and I think that the sort of things that um, uh, you need to deploy are a very clear 
uh, vision and an, an ability to put things simply um, in terms that people can understand and, and just to cut through to the essential of the issue because it's, it's very easy to get bogged down in the detail of this stuff, you know, mm. arcane parliamentary procedure or, you know, the different the positions. Border, of, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right, those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah, so, I mean, nobody wants to know about the details of the Northern Ireland backstop, but people want to understand in general terms what that means. Mm. And I think the ability to do that is really important. And I think finally, you know, having the confidence to, to talk about it. Yeah. Because if you're frightened that you might say something wrong or you're nervous about not reflecting accurately the government's position, um, then you sound hesitant and you sound unconfident. And one of the things that you need to be able to do in this job is to be able to uh, project confidence that you do know what you're talking about and the government does have a position and the government does have a plan. Um, and uh, I need to be able to do that on a pretty regular basis. Yeah. And I think particularly having the confidence to talk to the press about it is a really important part of my well, job. Thankfully, we we have no episodes in our recent history as a country <laughs> of a diplomat misspeaking, no. uh, but but I won't I won't <laughs> I won't talk about that with you because my guess is that there is there has to be a little bit of a how would I put it we're you have to look after each other's back once in a while so we'll leave that one alone but um, it's such a solemn time and and it is a serious time it's not to be underestimated of course it, but is there any way to have to maintain a bit of a sense of humor about all of this <laughs> like a little, like keep keep your groundedness I think you have to and I think you have to be able to to have to try and turn off at the end of the day um and you know and and think about other things yeah. you know and fundamentally the United Kingdom will remain the United Kingdom. We'll get through this. There'll be there'll be a point at some point in the future where we'll look back on this and say, "Well, that happened," and then and now the wasn't that a crazy time? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. But it's also a really interesting time. You know, you don't go into a job like mine unless you're interested in politics and you're you have a true, uh, true and passionate interest in these things. And it is a fascinating time to watch mm. how how the situation is involved is evolving, how Parliament is acting you know how the different political parties are approaching this you know what it means for our relationships with other countries so it's a it's it's a challenge but it's also uh, something which i find quite energizing in a in a in a way which i mean it's very good i feel like that about it because i think otherwise the, the job would be almost impossible obviously the political quarrel there is not with us hmm. but how do we make sure that we're not going to be victimized by this <laughs> uh, well i think um uh, rather strangely i think if anything this is this is a positive uh, in our relationship with Canada. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that Brexit or the prospect of Brexit has forced us to do is re-examine our relationships with some of our oldest friends, which, you know, to be quite frank about it, I think we have um, sort of almost taken for granted. I think don't think we did take them for granted, but I think there was a risk that we would, that we 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 could assume that these friendships were always there, these, these partnerships, and that we could just rely on them and we didn't really need to do very much to keep them uh, alive mm. and, and dynamic. So uh, I think in the case of Canada, um, we there is probably no country with whom we have a closer identity of interest across the board in every area. Um, and uh, it's good that um, uh, this refocusing is bringing extra resources uh, to, to, to the network that I head up here, but also an increased interest in, uh, from the government in London in, in working together with Canada on a whole range of issues which yeah. are fundamental to our, our position in the world. Is it too far forward to think about um, a, a specific trade deal? Oh, no, not at all. No, um, I think that uh, so either if we leave the European Union with no uh, with no deal on the 29th of March, then uh, there will be a, 
a transitional trade deal, which will be more or less, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty confident that there will be something in place, which will be more or less what we have with the European Union replicated on a we bilateral basis. We, we get your best <laughs> price. We get your best price. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, and then at that point, we will look at something which is a, a successor to that, which is even better hmm. than that uh, in terms of reflecting our, 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 our interests and Canada's interests, which were you know, somewhat diluted because we, there, were, there were 27 other countries around the table when we, um, when we negotiated that deal. So something which is much more specific to us and reflects our, our interests better, I think we would, we would start to work on that almost immediately. So either uh, on the 30th of March or if we have a, an implementation period, uh, you know, that would allow us to start working on that and to have it coming into effect when we formally leave the European Union. I'm not alone as a visitor to your country to uh, be uh, absolutely gobsmacked uh, at the result of the vote uh, when it happened. Um, but I'm wondering, I want you to maybe apply your own context to this, because at about the time that you maybe were probably in Vienna, right, or, uh, or maybe in Paris, you you might have been going back to uh, country and noticing a bit of a, a change was it was it evident to you that something was going on? Uh, I didn't expect the result that we got, so it was a shock. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm I was alone in that. I no. think there were there were lots of people who didn't expect it. Hundred percent of the country seems to feel that way. <laughs> what yeah, what yeah. happened there? Certainly, the prime minister who called the referendum was, oh, yeah. was surprised by the yeah, result. Yeah. Um, I uh, I didn't notice it so much in the run up. Uh, but I think uh, in the immediate aftermath, there were there were shifts, and there were things. There were some things that came out immediately afterwards, which were really quite unpleasant. I mean, I think it unleashed, or it, it seemed to give certain people license to speak out and act in a way which I I found deeply disturbing, and which mm. I don't think was a t- true reflection of what the United Kingdom is about, because I think we are a welcoming, tolerant, open, multicultural, very diverse country, mm-hmm. rather like Canada. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think there were things that that that. That were surprising, um, and I think one of the things that is is extremely difficult at the moment is that it revealed deep divisions in the country. So it it revealed divisions which were geographical. So if you look at Scotland or London or certain other uh, parts of the country which voted to stay, uh, other parts of the country voted very strongly to leave. So I think there are geographical divisions, and I think there are also some generational divisions. I mean, it's it's not as simple as saying. The older generation voted to leave, and the younger generation voted to stay. But there, but there, there are things, you know. And within, within my own family, my father voted to leave the European Union. Uh, my own children were horrified by that um, <laughs> because he felt they felt that he he was not doing what was right for them and their future. And I think there's a, there were a lot of those things which were revealed, and it'll take a long time to come. To, I know to it's overcome pedestrian them. political science to try to equate it with what happened in the United States at about mm. the same time, but nobody expected Donald Trump no. to be elected either. No. no. And I think and, there are some of the revealed, same things. It yes. revealed many of the same fissures yes. that you're talking yeah. about yeah, I think in so. society. And I think there were, there were a group of people, I mean, quite a large group of people who felt that the benefits of globalization and trade and all these things didn't mean anything to them. They didn't see any of those benefits. And I think they also felt that politicians were uh, were not connecting with them and didn't yeah. understand how life felt to them. So I think that, and I think many of those things played out as well in the States. And yet the mantra of the Leave movement was around taking back control. Yeah. Take it back, take it back. Yeah. Do, can you see in, uh, evidence in, um, in the arrangement that the Prime Minister has attempted to make with the European Union, um, that degree of agency? That comes into it, or is this is this like a, a starting point on that taking well, back? Well, I think she she she's been very clear that she thinks that the deal that she put on the table does take back control of 
our, our money, our borders and our laws. So, for example, the European Court would no longer have uh, the same uh, uh, the same license and over the UK as it currently has um, immigration and what... Uh, so there would not be free movement of people between uh, the, the rest of the European Union and the UK. Um, and money, obviously, we won't be paying uh, what we are currently paying into the EU. So I think she would say that, yes, she has done that. Um, there are certainly people um, on the more extreme end of, of, of the Brexit, uh, of the people who wanted Brexit, who don't believe that that control uh, has been tightly enough uh, grabbed back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, you know, she has done she has done what she set out to do. And I think she believes that that deal uh does 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 give what, what you've you spent a lot of time in your diplomatic career and on essentially in the other part <laughs> of the of the deal in this one um what do you think is the um the mindset now in the european union about what it wishes to do when it sees uh, this disarray in the uk is it is it does it uh uh put its foot on the neck a little harder or what does it do? Uh, I don't know. Um, as you know, there was a, a vote yesterday which uh, confirmed uh, that, uh, that the the bulk of Theresa May's, May's deal was, was acceptable, but with a, an instruction to her to go back to Brussels and renegotiate one specific element, which is this, this Northern Ireland backstop. Um, I think the rest of the European Union were, are dismayed and saddened by the fact that we are leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't think they want to make things any more difficult for us than they have to be. Uh, but I do think there are a lot of people who just want it now to, to be done with. Um, but I think also they recognize that um, having a close relationship with us in the future is will be mutually beneficial. So that would mean both trade and investment, the economic relationship, but also the security relationship where they recognize that we have bought, uh, you know, the United Kingdom contributes an awful lot. Um, and then more broadly, the people to people links. So the fact that, you know, students and research and all those things are very closely interwoven. So um, I, I'm confident that that well, as when we start talking about the future relationships and not the divorce, but what happens afterwards, uh, that there's a there's a there's an understanding on both sides of the English Channel that uh, that relationship has to be as close as it possibly can be, but it won't be exactly the same as the relationship we have now because that that that, that wasn't the point of this whole thing. You likely get asked a lot of this. Um, is there any possibility of a second referendum? Um, uh, not, not, uh, not with the current government. No, right. I mean Theresa May has ruled it out as a possibility. Hmm. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm trying to get again into a little bit of your own, uh, your mindset on this one. I mean, here you are, you're across the ocean. Uh, this is all happening back home. Um, you, of course, care deeply about your country. You've devoted your life to it uh, in, in your work and all of that. Um, are you worried? I'm I'm I I'm worried and I'm concerned about the uh, the, the 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 period that we're in now, which is a period of conflict uh politi- i mean political divisions and instability and i think that's 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 always worrying and damaging and i think uh for business the political uncertainty is 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 a concern um i think fundamentally the united kingdom will get through this because i think the strength of our institutions and the th- strength of our economy is there and it will take us through and i think um fundamentally we remain the country we always were and we will maintain a very close relationship with uh with the european union and um so uh 
you know, I think longer term, uh, everything will be fine because it always is. But, uh, you know, on a personal level, I find it difficult and I find it, I mean, in a, and I mentioned, you know, within my own family, mm-hmm. these things have been tough. Um, and, uh, and one of my children did not speak to his grandfather for quite a long time mm. after the vote. So mm. I think those things will take a while to overcome. But I think what we all need to be very clear at, clear about is that, you know, what fundamentally makes us a great country will not change and should not change and i think there've been some there's there've been some fantastic um uh, attempts to show uh, you know i live in london that's that's my home um that london will remain a great fanta- a great open dynamic global city open for business welcoming and all those things so i think we just need to keep underlining that i think the other thing that's quite difficult is is not actually being there when it happens yeah. when, when it's happening yeah. i mean you know uh, the good thing about being in canada is that there is a there's some very good coverage on the press as we were as we were mentioning earlier and that um there's a lot of interest here. So I don't feel as disconnected as I might if I was in, say, Kenya or, you know, somewhere somewhere where there's less interest and less um and, and actually less less immediate relevance to 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 my job here. So um I am deeply involved in it and obviously having to keep up with it and I talk about it all the time. Um uh and uh I think that um the uh, the the important thing from from my perspective is to put it in perspective, um, and and to and to know that the people who are working on this, both within the civil service and at a political level, um, want a good outcome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it, it it is, and I think it's very clear now that the idea of us leaving the European Union without a deal in place is not something for which there's a majority in Parliament or even within the country. So I think that's a, you know. As tumultuous as the last few months have been, I think that's a very good thing to have come out of it. I'm going to try to figure out where I'm going to go with this question. Uh, but um, you described this, I think, uh, akin to a divorce. And I think a lot of people have, have looked at it the same way. And divorce will, uh, you know, in an immediate way, of course, cause this great rift. But ultimately, there is a healing that takes place. However, however the family changes. The, the, the relationship changes very much in, intrinsically. Can you can you project forward and think how the relationship in the UK might might change might still be good but might be changed as a result of all this? Um I think uh I think it will depend on what the final the final relationship is. Mm. I think it will be it will remain close, you know, I mean even just geographically. Uh, it will be close because we we are a European country that that won't change. I think there 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 will be probably some lasting resentment about the fact that the European Union, the rest of the European Union, has had to devote a lot of time and resource and effort to resolving this when many of them would rather be focusing on other things. I mean that's it's a very frank opinion, but I think that's that's what many of them probably feel. Um, I think that. Um, uh, uh, politically, it'll take a lot of effort f- from our government, whatever the government might be, to maintain the close links with with other European countries that they want to. At the moment, those relationships happen automatically because our politicians see each other all the time at yes. European meetings. Yes, right. And if you want to maintain those links, they are all going to have to invest a bit more time because there won't be automatically a meeting every month. So I think that that will involve a shift and uh, mean a bit more. Uh, effort on the political and and not just on the political level on the diplomatic level too so because we will be a third country so we will have to invest a bit more in so there won't be necessarily
Italy, uh, an obvious platform for us to engage with other EU member states on foreign policy issues, for example. So if you look at uh, Venezuela, for example, which is a big... You've been there. I have been there, yeah. yeah. Mm. Very, very sad. It's, it's desperately sad to see what's going on there. But there, you know, the, the UK as a member of the EU, has been very involved in, the, in defining the EU's position. Now, the UK on its own will, will still have a position on Venezuela, but we won't automatically be included in that larger group as we're making our, our decisions and, and speaking out. So I think there, there will be, there's quite a large readjustment for us all to make. Um, in some ways, uh, that will be positive because it will mean that we can speak out without necessarily having to agree with another 27 member states. And but, yet, yeah, but it's not, you're not one of 28. You're a larger one yeah, than yes, we almost are. everybody. Yeah. And so how do you think ultimately economically, though, this weakens the system worldwide? Um, because you're not going to have necessarily the same gigantic trade block, yeah. uh, the same uh, power structure, mm. uh, the same ability to uh, advocate mm. for certain things that, you know, places like the United Nations, even mm. where you can speak with one voice. Yeah. I think, I think economically, uh, you know, it, it will be a smaller economic block without us in it. Um, I don't think it will fundamentally change uh, the European Union's ability to trade with with other parts of the world. I mean, I think that yeah. that will that will continue. Um, and uh, if we get the sort of relationship we want to economically for us, we will continue to have access to those European markets. I mean, I think everybody agrees that the that. Our economy will there will be a slight uh, downturn as a result of this, um, but that we will recover, um, particularly as we then negotiate our own trade agreements with with various countries uh, on a bilateral basis. I think politically, um, I think there will be a, a difference, and I think one of the things that that our European partners regret is that we have been a very positive. Uh, and 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 quite a driving force in the development of a, a European uh, foreign policy. Sure. Um, and that uh, without us um, and without our commitment to that, you know, some people talk about us as having been very reluctant Europeans. Um, I think we quite often ask difficult questions and um, raised issues that some people. Uh, shared our concerns about, but we're not prepared to put their hands on the table and say, yes, this is. So I think people will will, will notice when we're not there anymore. And mm. I think it will be, yeah, I think it will be a loss. Um, and I think they recognize that. When people ask you, uh, as they frequently do, I'm sure, tell me the best thing about Brexit. <laughs> I think the best thing about Brexit for me personally, sitting here, is that it makes this relationship more important and more central and more right. dynamic than it was. Uh, okay. Um, and in, in the end, um, it, how important is it going to be, do you think, for uh, those who are in the service of the UK, the diplomatic corps, to essentially sell the stability, the, the, oh, the, the, con the continuity of it so that, um, so that we're not feeling like we're dealing with a... Um, an imperiled yeah absolutely power. crucial i mean i think it's 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 uh you know you, when you open your newspaper and on the front page it says uk and turmoil and no political crisis and all that stuff undoubtedly it has a reputational implication and and it's not a good one so we i have to work really hard to to continue to underline those fundamental strengths and the fact that you know there are so many great things about the uk which will continue 
So, um, you know, the fact that we are a leading player in, in defense and security and that we work with um, uh, our partners in the Five Eyes uh, Security and Intelligence um, Alliance to combat major threats to our democracies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that, uh, you know, UK research and development, science, technology are world beaters. We have more Nobel Prize winners than virtually any other country in the world. That our arts and, uh, and, uh, and literature and all those things are vibrant and and you know um and continue to dominate you know you look at popular music i don't know how many of the the top uh selling artists in in the world are british um some people don't know they're british but they are british um so i think all these things continue and we need we need to just keep reminding ourselves that those things will will go on um uh you know whatever the 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 context in which we're working and whatever our relationship with the other 27 members of the european union is yeah and does the fact that you're out here, um, is that a, a bit of a statement that business is as usual? Yeah, it, it, yeah know, absolutely. Not, yeah. Yes. Right. And that we you know we recognize the dangers of a no deal Brexit and that we are working very hard to make sure that if that happens, I don't think it will happen, but if it did happen, we have things in place to make sure that the, the, the benefits that we have enjoyed, uh, both of us as, as, as members of the uh, signatories of CETA will continue for, for businesses on both sides of the Atlantic. So yes, um, uh, you know, a big part of my job is providing that reassurance as far as I can uh, and getting out there and talking about it. As difficult as it, as it is sometimes um, and uh, you know I think also the fact that um, uh, I am here with a very rather different profile to some of my predecessors uh, that I have uh, a background in um, you know I've worked in, in EU so I understand it um, and that I have been given a task to you know to, to reinforce to strengthen to grow this relationship is an indication uh, that um, the government takes this very seriously and, and, and has given me a very big job to do well i'm sorry that you have to go back to the freezing cold <laughs> ottawa i'd rather point. like the capital to be relocated to yeah. vancouver well we, <laughs> we we can work on that with a little bit of assistance from uh, from okay. other countries great yeah, that'd be great <laughs> susan lejeune delegate uh, delegate oh, how, how terrible have i trounced that name um thank you so much for spending some time today Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. It's really, it's been fun. Susan Lejeune Delegarchek is the United Kingdom's High Commissioner to Canada. She's a representative in our country. It's been here since 2017. Been a great conversation. Thanks a lot for joining me. We'll see you next time on BIB Today. I'm Kurt LaPointe. 